0: Welcome to our podcast about living on the Lewy Body Roller Coaster, a podcast for Lewy Body Dementia patients and their families presented by Lewy Body Patients and Their Families.
1: You will hear firsthand the ups and downs and twists and turns of Lewy Body Dementia. From families directly affected, we'll share our support and experiences on all things Louie Body.
0: We're your hosts, Linda and Curry. I have a loved one with Lewy Body Dementia.
1: And I am living with Louie Body Dementia.
0: Let's get started. Welcome back, podcast family.
1: Yes, welcome back, y'all. So we want to thank y'all for y'all being so patient with this as we try to work and get these uh, episodes out each week.
0: Oh, well, And kudos, we did it this the week of May 10th. The episode went live early, so good for us. It doesn't always happen. And again, before, before we start, we want to remind all listeners that all of our listeners, that it's important that um, to us, that our listeners and the medical community hears from those affected with the disease by listening how it makes uh, those with the disease feel and to be able to share concerns, suggestions, advice, and more importantly, friendship. So please feel free to share the podcast link with, you know, your family, your friends, and your doctors. Uh, We feel like it's very important that, you know, doctors can hear from those with Lewy body, directly affected with the disease.
1: Yeah, and as a reminder, uh, I want to tell y'all, we're not giving medical advice, but rather just sharing our open and honest feelings and thoughts as we live with Lewy body dementia. Okay, now for a shout out to some of our supporters. I want to give shout-outs this week to Matthew and Miriam Garachi, Marcia Treffman, Bonnie and Randy Weber, Nancy Guerrero, and Tom Conley. So let's get this week started. Okay, today we have two special guests from across the pond, Julie Hayden and Ann Scott.
0: Yeah, before we jump into uh, their new project called Deepness Radio, can, can you each first of all welcome Ann and, and Julie can you share a little bit about yourselves and like where you're from, how you connect to dementia? And Julie, do you want to go first with that?
2: Hi, um, my name is Julie, and I live in the north of England in a place called Yorkshire. And I was diagnosed five years ago now at the age of 54 with um they think possibly Alzheimer's, possibly one of the other dementias, but the doctors have never really um, been bothered to follow that up with appropriate tests to decide fully what it is. Um, but um, yeah, so I previously, during my working life, I started off as a nurse. And then I, later on, after I'd started um, a family of my own, I went into social work and specialised in older people's services. Um And it was while working as a social worker that I began having um, the medical problems and the symptoms which I would eventually lose my job um, as a social worker. But it, because of the pro- the process is so long, uh, especially in young onset dementia, trying to work out what the problem is, it took over five years for me to get a diagnosis. Yeah, we, we
0: hear those stories all the time about the length that it takes to get diagnosed. And I think it's the work that we're all doing is going to help those behind us not have to go for such a long period of time without getting a proper diagnosis. Uh, so, Anne, you want to introduce yourself?
3: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Anne Scott, and I live in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, whenever I was in my mid-40s, I started to... Flat thought, have memory problems, um, lots dizziness, the usual things everybody gets. And I went to see a specialist, and the specialist thought that I had a brain leak or a brain, what do you call it?
0: Lesion? No. Hmm. Leak? I can't remember. Something in your brain. <laughs> yes, that will do.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's our workaround for today. <laughs>
3: Imagine getting brain freeze right at this moment. Um, right. But anyway, so they diagnosed me with cerebral vascular atherosclerosis, which I was told was vascular dementia. And then five years after that, I think it was, uh, they changed it to chronic small vessel ischemia, And I also have multiple sclerosis and fibromyalgia. I'm the mother of five children. And the youngest one, whenever I got sick, was four years old. Wow. It's only been after meeting people like Julie and yourselves and other people around the world that has sort of given me a greater insight because whenever I was diagnosed, there was so little information. Mm -hmm. And whenever I looked up the internet for vascular dementia, it said five years to live. And I was panicking, thinking, I'm not going to see my children grow up. And I really I sat in my garden for hours, Fran. And I'm glad to say now that the internet isn't just a scary a place, and there is some other reliable information out there, which is really good.
0: So, how long ago was the diagnosis? How many years? Have- um, let
3: me see. I was in my mid forties. Eve's now thirteen. So uh, she must have been about six whenever I was diagnosed. That's about seven years or so nine. Right.
0: That's I just wanted to point that out because nothing gets Curry's goat, as he says, more. And mine too is where they have they have to get those numbers out of off the internet. That because you should have been dead two years ago, according yeah. to what you read. And mm-hmm. that's why I think that's one of our main charging points with this the podcast and doing all the support groups is because curry you should have been dead a long time ago
1: yeah i've got wow. to say i've got to step in here for just a minute i love y'all's accents oh. <laughs> i really do i love listening to y'all talk
0: if you guys lit uh, we record on zoom as our, our our followers know and if girls you have to watch curry's face because he's just like an all he when you're talking it's like a little kid like Look, (laughs) it's just the cutest thing (laughs)
2: to watch. Go ahead, go ahead, Julie. Yeah, I've been the same. I'm just sitting here listening to Curry, and it's just like listening to a cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: know he's got me trying to say y'all. I'm not very good at it, but (laughs) yeah, he'll come with
1: time. Yeah,
0: he is a true southern. Well, I was going to say gentleman, but he did stick me in a chicken coop to sleep but that's a whole nother
1: thing. yeah <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: whole nother it's on the internet there's pictures yeah. of it on the internet yeah. um yeah go ahead curry
1: uh y'all y'all are so so young when you started having trouble i just it amazes me it really does but you're not the first ones i've met who were this young mm-hmm. uh but my heart goes out to y'all uh Thanks for coming on the podcast, ladies. Let's jump right to it. Uh, you have both been diagnosed with brain diseases, as you shared. How have you both coped since then? Julie and Anne, each, each would you all share with us?
0: Yeah, Julie can go first if you want.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. Well, I think that because of that process of Having to wait so long and the frustrations of knowing that there was something wrong, but not knowing what it was, that actually getting the diagnosis was a bit of a relief in a way because you have to know your enemy before you know you can then learn how to tackle it. Right. Um, and so once you know what you're facing, then you can develop um, a, a plan as to how you're going to deal with it. Um, and plus, I'd actually, one of my doctors, um, that when I had received back the first scan that I ever had, and it showed cerebral atrophy, um, because of my background I and because I have a... Um, there's a lot of history of late onset dementia in my family. I suggested to this consultant, does that mean that I'm starting to develop dementia? And he just said, Oh no, no way. Um, because you've not had young onset in your family, um the no, it can't be young onset dementia, um, it's something else. And it was only six months later that another consultant said, oh, no, it's definitely one of the dementias. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'd always kind of had sort of pre-diagnosed myself. And so um, once I got my diagnosis, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be involved. Some people just want to take things quietly and be private. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to... Join in with something. I don't want to be a passive member of something. I want to be active. Um, what I found in the area I lived in was that there were groups for older people um, to be supported, but there was nobody my age to talk to. So, what I did was I started up my own young onset group um, and facilitated that for other people that we could come together and we could chat and then from there I got to meet other people with dementia and others who were involved in research and got involved in research and in education and inputting into educating the future professionals and then by being active and being part being involved in the work of activism, that helps me um, sort of have a like a mental gym. Mm -hmm. And so it it benefits me. Whereas, uh, particularly because I live on my own, if I didn't have that, I'd just be sat staring at a wall waiting to see what came next. But at least feeling that I can be active and doing something positive, that really, really helps me.
0: Yeah, and and Carrie, I want to have you jump in. Tell her how you felt when you finally got diagnosed.
2: Oh yeah, that's what I was I was
1: gonna say. Uh, I thought I was going crazy, and and because I was seeing things, I was hearing things. Uh, I was just worn out. No matter how much I slept, I couldn't get rested. And when the doctor told me I had Lewy body dementia, I said, did you say lower body dementia? And he said, no, Lewy body dementia. And uh, I was so relieved. I I had never heard of this disease, but I was so relieved that I had a name to put with what was going on with me. Uh, Like you said, I knew then what I was up against. And it it was, it was a great big relief.
0: So, and, and I'm going to piggyback on, on what she said also is, um, you didn't sit still either. Just like I didn't sit still. Like I diagnosed my husband and then they told him, told me it was Alzheimer. And then the next month, um, it went back, you know, they were like, oh, we think it's Louie, but Curry went and started a Facebook page. So Mm -hmm. share Curry, how that made you feel like you, and now what we're all doing, just, just Just like Julie said, that that really helped you.
1: Oh, uh, most definitely. I started the Facebook page just to keep, because none of my family or friends had ever heard of the disease either. And instead of telling each one of them over and over and, you know, telling, I just started this page to where I could post every day what was going on with me and they could see how it was affecting me. Uh, Yeah,
0: but then you like and I'll tell you what his wife told me when I sat and talked with her is you being involved.
1: Oh, it keeps you going.
0: Yeah, keeps you going like it saved your life. Just like Yeah, I'm sorry,
1: I forgot the second part of your question. Uh, That's why I didn't answer. Yeah, it it keeps me going. I don't know where I would be. Uh, Like you said, Julie, I would be sitting around staring at the walls waiting on something to happen if it wasn't for my involvement in Facebook yeah. and, and this podcast. Uh, both both of these things have just greatly helped me and given me something to do with my life. Right. And, and I find pleasure in it.
0: And meaning. It meaning, yes. More meaning. That's why it, for everybody out there, if you have a dementia, get involved. It doesn't mean that you can't do things. And ladies, I forgot to tell you, because Julie has this really amazing, cute sign that says, I want to talk, which we need to institute that with our groups yeah but curry raises his pen so if you see his pen raised that's i usually <laughs> stop what i'm doing it.
1: <laughs> that's his. you've got your pen raised
0: i know i was just you know <laughs> julie did you want to jump back in
2: uh yeah i was just going to come back with um another aspect of um moving forward positively is when you get out there and you meet others who are particularly who are dealing with the same or similar issues to yourself and at the same stage, one thing that I found was that what the majority of the information and the images that you get out there when you hear it 's a dementia is that you see images of people who are um, very much older they're uh, usually pretty late stage needing an awful lot of support not able to do very much and so you get those very negative images and you think oh my god that's just about to happen to me and what you do is when you start mixing with others you have this realization that no no no, dementia has a beginning and it has a middle and it's a it's not a a rush to an end, um, an end of life. It's a, it's a slow burner journey um, for most of us, and so that there's so much more that you can go both give and receive to life, uh, that you can be gaining from life, and so getting those positive images of meeting others that like you, Curry are out there, you're living and doing things and you're active and Mm -hmm. um, that you haven't kind of immediately you've got your diagnosis, then, well, that's it, I give up, I stop living. Yeah. So that helps. Yeah,
1: you've got to overcome the stigma that comes with dementia. Yeah, I always say... People think that we should be bedridden, slobbering yeah. on ourselves. You know, you've got to get past that and realize that's not how it is. Yeah. You, you can live well with dementia. I
0: agree. Doesn't matter
1: what
3: type of dementia.
0: Yeah. Can you share with us how you've been coping since your diagnosis?
3: Well, unlike Julie, I haven't got any medical background whatsoever. So, I said, whenever they first they first thought I had a brain tumour, that was the word I was looking for earlier. And then they diagnosed other things. And it took me a long time to adjust simply because I couldn't find any information anywhere. I couldn't find any organisations to help. And then eventually I did find an organisation and I joined them. But my problem was, I said, a few years later, they changed my diagnosis. And then I had to leave the organisation and stop doing all the work that I have been doing and um, with them. And I think that's a big problem too. Whenever you're diagnosed with anything like this, whenever you are younger, if you don't go downhill the way they're expecting you to go downhill or you don't fall into what they want portrayed for dementia, then a lot of people are getting re-diagnosed. But you're still like being left with the problems in your brain And you're not taking that away and saying, oh, you're better now. We've made a total mistake. I mean, I've still got all the brain lesions. I've still got all the problems. And I think that's a big problem that a lot of people with dementia are going through because it really upsets your life over and over again. So we've been through quite a lot and then um, got involved with, I was asked to do one in one 6,000 interview with Deepness Media. And got involved in them, that's another organization in Scotland, and got involved with them. And since then, we've been doing lots of conferences, radio, we have having an awful lot on the go. So that helps me because as I say it gives me a purpose in my life. I like being involved, I like meeting other people, and I like being out and about. Do you know? And it is so nice to go to a meeting and everybody's sitting there, or a conference, or whatever it is, and nobody's sitting there looking at you as if you've got two heads. You know, everybody's sort of accepting of you. And if you mess something up like I did earlier on and couldn't remember what was wrong with my brain, nobody cares. You know, it, except they're all chunking you or anything. And I, it really made me feel more comfortable. And I'm at the stage now where if I meet somebody... And I can't remember who they are. I'll just say, I'm really sorry. I know I should know you, but I just cannot remember your name. Yeah. And, you know, a smile whenever I'm saying it. And they're always grand about it. Nobody takes offence at it. And it's nice to be in a group that you can do and say all those things and they all understand rather than, you know, I'd be the same as Julie if I wasn't doing all this now. I would just be sitting at home. Um, I mean, my wee daughter, whenever she was going to primary school, because I was judged so much, you know, because I would stagger a lot and fall a lot and people would just think I was drunk. And then I was looking at me and I thought, oh my goodness, somebody is actually going to report me here to social services or whatever, thinking she's a bad mother, she's drunk at eight o'clock in the morning. You know, and it really frightened me so much that I stopped taking her to school. I got somebody else to do it. I stopped going to all the school plays. Missed out on quite a lot of her life in the early stages. And now, as I said, with being, having the support and all, and knowing what other people are going through, I go now. Anywhere I want to go, I'll go. and If I fall over in the street, which I do, I just get back up again and walk on. Mm -hmm. You know, you get the looks, but so looking.
0: we just... uh I really wish when we were younger, we we were to the point where we are now, like, I don't care what people think about me anymore. I that, that, that just hope everybody takes what you just said to heart. It's been so nice meeting you ladies. Next week, Julie and Ann will share more about how they are involved with Dementia Deepness Radio.